0: Welcome to Leaders and Learners. My name is Tanya McKenzie, and you can find me at the intersection of public relations and leadership. Join us as we talk to organizational leaders, elected officials, experts, authors, artists, and personalities sharing their stories, talking about how they got to where they are and how they continue to learn and lead the way. So without further ado, let's get into it. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Leaders and Learners, where we all know that the best leaders are lifetime learners. And today, I have with me someone that epitomizes the word boss. We talk about cliche words all the time, things, you know, terms that people just throw around. They don't really know the meaning of it. I've had an issue recently with the word trauma. Everybody, you, oh, I'm so traumatized. It'd be like nothing, right? I'm a boss. It'd be like, what, you work for five people and you have a hard time paying your bills. Like, let's really start giving words the power that they deserve. So with that, the word boss, it represents a lot to this gentleman, but my favorite part of everything that comes out of boss for Mr. Lawrence Henderson is that he actually represents the word in everything that he does. In every word that he says, in every stage that he takes, in every training that he enters, he embodies the word boss and it has a lot to do with his business. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring on my friend, Mr. Lawrence Henderson. How you doing, sir?
1: What is going on, Tanya? It is absolute pleasure to be here today. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Listen, it's always a pleasure to be in your presence virtually. Hopefully, this year mm-hmm. it might be um, in person. But I love everything I see from you. You know, it's it's we're in a moment now where we come across a lot of things, and you wonder like how real it is. People mm-hmm. do it for the gram, and and they do it because it looks good virtually. But yeah. how many people actually carry out in person the mm-hmm. things that they say? online. You happen to be one of those individuals. So I want to go ahead and get get it started by letting everyone know this is not our first time. Yes. We are we are not new to this, he and I. The energy is absolutely crazy. So go ahead and buckle your seatbelts, but I want to go ahead and get into what you've been up to since the last yeah. time we talked, um, yeah. the last time we were here. So over the last year, kind of walk us through what has been going on with you and um what has you on fire for 2023
1: uh again what's up everybody um Lawrence Henderson uh, out here in Douglasville Georgia uh on the west side of Atlanta uh and one of the biggest things that I've enjoyed about 2022 and coming out of 2022 and and Tony spoke to just being real and and not just doing it for the gram is understand uh when life be lifing um, and as a leadership and professional development coach, um, having to live out what that looks like for me. And so early in the year, had all these amazing goals in January. Um, and then my father passed um, in February. And like most people, you know, my military background said, put some dirt on it, suck it up, butter cut, keep rolling. But it was an opportunity presented to me in what was tragic for my family, um, understanding the legacy that my father had put out in front of us as his children. and the modeling of living an authentic life. And as we were at his home going, that was the biggest thing that we kept hearing from everybody was the consistency that his life presented to them in the form of humility, openness, and transparency in everything he did, not only as an educator, but as a pastor, as a friend. And so this year, 2022, was me doing the work of digging into what it really means to be that hot leader all the time. And so doing a ton of professional development work, um, doing a ton of executive and leader coaching, um, as well as the uh, couple opportunities to do speaking uh, in 2022, uh, which launches me into 2023. I ended 2022 uh, at a speaker competition And one of the things that that drummed up in me was just this fire, like I miss stages, um, physical and virtual stages. So this year is going to be all about ramping up on podcasting, speaking conferences and all the rest of those things as well as about leadership and doing it well.
0: What is leadership, Lawrence? Can you you tell the people Mm -hmm. what leadership actually is? Because I'm not sure uh-huh. that people recognize that, that uh, leadership isn't always about a title. Uh-huh. Leadership isn't always about being the boss, mm-hmm. but there are levels. So talk us yeah. through that. Yeah.
1: So being a leader, uh, and in first of all, if you just think, think about it from the position of I was assigned a role, that's first level leadership stuff. That that's nothing you had to dream up. It was, you know, you got promoted into a role. But true leadership, as I see it, it's a contact sport, it's an operational practice where you are in position to understand that you are influencing and impacting a space, and your role is to remove obstacles, to remove barriers so that those you're at we're asking to do the work those that we're asking to be better for us they're not bogged down with things that keep them from achieving the mission so leaders are people who are bridges to other success
0: all right follow me here and then and give me your thoughts okay. my goal this year cuz you have some lofty goals yep mine is to fight coward culture okay the true definition of leadership has a high level of fearlessness mm-hmm. because sometimes you have to say the tough things. Yeah. Sometimes you have to um, lead from behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are times when you have to be selfless, mm-hmm. right, to show a high level of leadership. And fear keeps people from doing that. Yeah. Fear in alignment with cowardice, mm-hmm. behavior, yeah. blame games. Uh, finger-pointing and just plain old not doing your job. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts in regards to leadership and bravery, especially since you come from a military background?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that leadership and bravery is, uh, and, and I liken it to uh, something that Brene Brown says, is kind of that uh, courage, in that bravery and understanding that there's an element of vulnerability to that. And a lot of times in organizations, nobody was actually taught how to be when you're uncertain. And there is this thing that people throw around about being humble You're like, no, nobody needs to brag. Well, humility to me is an operational word that says I'm not thinking less of myself. I'm just thinking of myself less and if I'm actually being fearful and I'm actually exercising fear, then I'm actually being selfish and I'm in my ego. And so what true humility really is operationally, it says, you know what? I know things are hard. I know I'm scared, but I'm going to be vulnerable enough with you to be able to hold space to say, you know what? Let's do it together. And so in as a combat leader and as a person who really sees what effective leadership is really all about, it's really saying to another person, these magical words that actually have more power and it empower others when a leader has the ability to say, I don't know, but let's figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. You said Brene Brown.
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: is some of her favorite work that you you happen to enjoy? Because I, I could listen to her breathe and be happy.
1: Oh my gosh. So the latest one, which she turned into a HBO Max miniseries, that. The, the series? Atlas of the Heart. And so that one in particular, because I'm a huge words person, I'm a huge what does it mean to you kind of person. And that practice of the words we use, do we understand how that message impacts how we engage? And it was that work that I continue to do in this organizational leadership space and all the rest of that, because if you're not aware of the words you're using and that how that message impacts you, then you're actually not conscious to actually how you're showing up through the filter of how we speak and how we navigate.
0: That sounds like listen to hear instead of listen to respond. Mm-hmm. 100%. I love that. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoy the series. Yeah. Um, of course, I just enjoy her. She, she always allows for you to find your way through things you didn't even know you were struggling with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It for me in and, and, and again navigating through that series at a, at a time when I was in need. When I was in need emotionally. Spiritually. And getting to words the true nature of uh and, and I like to I like to describe, you know, the passing of my father with a a a bit of honoring him, but also there being a learning lesson in nobody ever describes the immediate emotions, right? All you hear about is, you know, well, I'm being grateful that, you know, he was my father and all the rest of these things. That's not the immediate thoughts that I had. The immediate thoughts I had was all around this anxiousness of not being able to just call him. Yeah, it sounds selfish, but that's a part of the emotion. That's a part of the process, that realization that my life has changed. And and for us, just putting words And the meaning of things to us, like that's a part of if I can't lead myself, how I expect to lead others. And so that, that for me was a a learning period and continues to be a learning period.
0: How did he pass?
1: Uh, It was complications. So, had a stroke several years ago. um, And then over the past several years, it's just, you know, he was on the um, litany of medications and all the rest of these things. And so it was, it was complications of you know not taking medications and different things and so it was the spiral of things right it was the the perfect storms he was 73 um and so of course you know there's just his body couldn't keep up and, and so having that physical trauma um coupled with other complications it just you know, it finally overcame him. But the blessing in it was him and my mom were prepared. And so mm-hmm. having things in line and the leadership of my mother um, to make sure that things were in alignment um, for the eventuality. Um, and so uh, super, super grateful for her and her strength uh, for us as a family during this process.
0: Man, I am learning something new about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I hear how strong the woman in your life. was. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How do you feel currently about the state of the family, yeah. especially the Black family? Mm-hmm. And do we lose, do we lose leadership? Do we lose our young leaders because they don't have that? Like, talk to me about how you feel about where we are um, as a culture, how yeah. important family is and how we continue to develop young leaders, even if they don't have that.
1: Yeah. I think there's there's an opportunity for all of us uh, in developing our community and uh, using the word uh, family is a good way to to nurture that as an umbrella underneath development. And so I myself um, did not go to a historically black college, but I'm a professor at one, Hmm. which understanding and identifying that there's a gap in young professional development particularly in our community and so i'm at morehouse college teaching leadership and professional development and so for me this is real-time work to actually build our community from the inside out and as we deploy these young professionals into workplaces across the world understanding the gaps that exist it's not just economic it's comprehension of how do i show up in these different spaces and something as simple as does a young professional even know dining etiquette you're like why why does that even matter well from a self-esteem perspective and i had one of the students who came back after being at an internship one summer he goes professor i want to thank you for your class and particularly that dining etiquette piece he said because i was sitting at dinner with a group of partners and i actually knew what to grab and he saw one of his peers that was from another school grab the wrong thing and he almost saw them immediately deflate in front of him. And what happened was that individual stopped showing up at that dinner. This is just, and in their minds, just dinner when what ended up happening is the messaging about that individual once they got away from dinner. And so just that impact mm. of being present for our community, building up competency, building up the ability to lead yourself first and then be able to understand how to show up. That was important for me because that was the gift that my father and my family gave to me.
0: Wow. And I I'm guessing how long did it take you to recognize that that was a blessing? Because I'm yeah. i am sure there were moments like most young people mm-hmm. where you were like, oh, my dad is always on my back or Yep. Yeah. You know, I'm getting on my nerves. Can't mm-hmm. wait to get out of the house. Yeah. Like there, I've, I've talked to a lot of people recently that there was a moment where they got it. Like, yeah, Dad, you were right. Mom, you mm-hmm. were right. What what was that for you?
1: That was probably I know I know how old I was. I know where I was. I was about <laughs> I was about 33, um, and I was had some real personal trials of still in the army and. I remember the conversation. I called my dad and I was like, dad, I said, how do you know when you just have hit the bottom and you're asking for a lifeline and you don't know how to frame what you need, but you just need. And he laughed and goes, when you're having conversations like this. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, "So how long you been here?" And it just developed from there, Tanya. Like it, like, and he began to, and it was in that moment that he went from father to friend and, to friend, and the realest conversation. And he was like, "Here's here's what I'm going to tell you." He said, "This is not going to be the last time." And I was like, "I mean, I got to do this is- again." Like, and, and, and that was, he was the first person during that period that really began to help me reframe and reshape my thoughts about goals and planning. And he was like, You have to understand what season of life you're in. And I was like, Son of mm-hmm. a gun. like, Seasons. We're in seasons. And if you are not aware of when the season is shifting, you don't know how to apply levels of effort ask for certain resources, be able to identify things. And I was like, son of a gun. That was it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I was in my dorm. I was in, I was a resident advisor at Cal State Northridge and I was in my dorm. I was a senior and I don't know what happened at two o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep. Something was probably bothering me. I'd been thinking about something and I just, I got it. And I had to call my mom and I, (laughs) waking her up. But I was like, I just want to say I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And thank you. Because we had had such a tumultuous relationship. I was too busy, like blocking every lesson she was giving me because I wasn't happy about some of the things that she had going on in her life. So I was too busy. Instead of listening to hear, I was listening to respond or not listening at all to these lessons. Well, clearly I was listening because certain things start happening in your young adulthood and you're like, after you get it wrong and it sucks you in the gut and you're like, she, she told me, and I'm a, I hate, uh, I told you so, so much. Oh my <laughs> God. Me and my husband have that problem right now. It is so hard for me to tell him you were right.
1: Yeah.
0: Those three words. Once I mastered those, I was like, okay, I I'm I'm grown now. I I know how to adult because I can see mm-hmm. <laughs> you were right. But once I you know thanked her and I apologized for being like a jerk for however many years, we became friends. Yeah. more than you know, combative parent child. So. I was just wondering what that looked like for you. And I'm surprised that it took you that long because you had a military career. What did that look like? Like, what uh, were you and your dad like while you were in the military?
1: Yeah, well, I would tell people um, that was also that realization of I was really, really good at compartmentalized success. Mm. I could could put success in buckets. And so one of the biggest things that I wanted to always pride myself in, I was going to be always tactically, technically proficient and you weren't going to be smarter than me in any spaces. And so what that spoke to was a lot of insecurity that I had, a lot of things that I needed from leaders that I didn't get in the form of affirmation in my head in the right direction. So I postured to be right. And that moment in time where I was sitting talking to my dad was all the years of comp compiled interests of me trying to be right Mm. Me trying to be knowledgeable, and I was faced with a situation I couldn't control, and I controlled things masterfully so much that I wasn't aware of my blind spots because Mm. I didn't give people permission to check me along the way, and so I had people giving me advice, and and of course my wife, like she, in our conversations used to end up in arguments because again I didn't give people permission to give me advice. And so for me, when I hit that bottom, it was the vulnerability. It was it took me the longest to call him. Because of fear, what is he gonna say about me? He's gonna be like, hey, I thought you was big army officer. I thought you was good to go. That's the messaging that was in my head, but that wasn't even him to do that. But that fear of what are people gonna think kept me from making that phone call sooner. But when I, that's what took me so long, to get there like i literally when i hit bottom i hit bottom
0: bottom Jeez.
1: yeah and what he was, was building me back up huh
0: what was that since you're since you're being vulnerable right yeah
1: now. no so so i actually put it in in my book uh bridging the gap life love and leadership um and so that bottom for me was i was at a military school and the biggest thing with the military i always prided myself in on being again tactically, technically proficient but i had a problem physically. I knew the measurements, right? I knew the formula. have a big neck, small waist. Well, I went to one of these advanced schools and I didn't pass the height weight test. I passed physical fitness tests. I passed all the rest of that stuff, but the measurements weren't coming out right. Mm. And at that moment, a army message had just came out that said, hey, if you don't meet height weight requirements at a school, you're no longer getting an alibi. You're no longer getting time to get the measurements right. And so, what ended up happening was I was at this school for an entire month trying to cut weight, and I never did and got sent home. And so, the embarrassment of going home, the embarrassment of facing my peers who didn't get selected to go to this school that was like basically one of the last strategic schools I was supposed to get selected to. Like, I was a major, I was an old foreign army, and here I am. And it was that moment that I left it in somebody else's hands to judge me. And again, like that bottom was all of that. What are they going to think? What are they going to say about me? Like here I spent all those years being this amazingly technical and tactical leader that I didn't take care of the thing that I had control over, which is my physical fitness. Right. And so the ruminating and the messaging, like I mean, when I tell when people say you're your own worst critic, like I, I 10 X that I 10 X that to the 10th power to where I probably went days without eating of how sick I was about the failure that I was experiencing. And it was the building back up of, of just self to continue moving forward, not in just suck it up, but how is this serving you? Mm-hmm. What are you going to use this to be able to do for future you? And so that, that kind of catapulted me to, begin to take ownership and be accountable of how I show up in spaces and not allow others to dictate that for me but control what I can control and so yeah that that was by a bottom bottom moment for me jeez yeah. yeah
0: adulting is hard
1: adulting is extremely hard especially when you're in organizations that have parameters
0: <laughs> adulting is hard dude I was like, I was like ah
1: but yeah uh, that was, that was, that was that, that moment. Yep.
0: Crazy. Okay. Listen, boss, listen, boss, yes. I want you to tell me a little something about your organization. No, I want you to talk to me about um, your company. Yeah. Why boss? I know why, but mm-hmm. I want you to tell the people why.
1: Yeah. So one of the biggest things when, you know, even while I was in the military, I was really drawn to people development um, and not just the the you know, skill set to do the job, but people to feel seen, feel heard, feel acknowledged about how they are and who they are as an individual and how does that fit into being a part of a team. And so I wanted to create Boss. Um, and as you can see on the shirt, actions over ideas always win. It's kind of the mantra and in the, in the foundation of it all. Because when it comes to people development, why I chose organizational leadership, why I chose coaching as a practice is because I see my organization as someone that can be a development partner that's able to hold space for you as individuals and your organization so that we could begin to piece together an actual development strategy that makes sense and makes room for where you are and where you want to grow to. Um, And the reason why that was for me is because I identified gaps in my career along the way and I now wanted to be the organization development partner that begins and helps bridge those gaps within organizations.
0: Okay, so when an organization contacts you, Mm And you and they make an announcement to their staff. Okay, we're going to start this development series with Coach Coach Henderson. A lot of people in that group might think, "I don't want no more DNI training. I want no more diversity training." What is your What is your message to people that that think development training is all about DNI and diversity and for those that don't want that, why is that important? Why does that actually need to be included or or does it?
1: Yeah. So the funny part about it is I like to tell people in my approach and the reason why I didn't say DEI and I like that you brought it up is the world that I come from and, and I'm so grateful again for my parents exposing us to various classes of human being um, throughout my life. And when I came into the military, the world and traveling the world, whether it was Iraq, Afghanistan, Kuwait, and just the different people that I've surrounded myself with as as a village and as a community, I come and I approach topics like diversity, equity, inclusion, and I tell them they are, DEI is the mortar to the bricks of an organization's active culture. It should be. But what ends up happening, the way that I approach development is saying, hey, what do you want your leaders to be able to do more often than not? And where are those gaps? And so I always come into organizations and we do a quick assessment and I begin to speak. Where are your not just your pain points, but your opportunity areas? So one in particular of client who they reached out to me for speaking to to kick off some initiatives for their organization. Well, the funny part about it is they were assessing the e-courses and the information that their organization was consuming. Mm. I I was showing up in a lot of the videos and the, the titles of the courses were, it was DEI leadership, but then it was also critical thinking, but then it also was psychological safety. And so people development is all about identifying the development need and then putting a strategy in place that speaks again to where we, they are, because again, DEI, should be a lived practice, not a program.
0: You're saying that professionally, but I also think that's something personally 100 that people should um, embrace. Why 100%. is that? So yeah. from a personal perspective, yeah. why is embracing diversity yeah. important? And talk to the people that really oh, yeah. fight against that.
1: Yeah, so, so the biggest things now about why diversity is really matter, right? diversity should be something that is, is is 3d, right? It's not this two dimensional being that just is flat on a screen. Diversity is humanity. Now, if you think about just, I'll just go, I'm a, I'm one of seven kids in a household. Imagine if only one of the kids was allowed to talk in that house. Mm. We didn't figure out what was going on with the other six.
0: It's the same thing
1: inside of an organization. There's diversity in voice, there's diversity in experience and it's funny, I was talking to one of my executive coaching clients earlier today, and I was asking, when was the last time a leader walked into a room, looked around a table and said, are we missing any voices in this room? Diversity helps leaders make better informed decisions.
0: Hmm. Hold on. Stop right there. Mm hmm. But everyone does not want to know about all the other voices if those voices don't agree with them. Mm -hmm. So where where do you come in at when, how do we, okay, here's a question. When there's an organization Mm -hmm. that is missing the mark, mostly because they're not utilizing um, all their talent, their diverse Mm -hmm. talent, Mm -hmm. because they feel like, this is the leaders, they're right. Mm-hmm. most of the time i see i've seen this a lot they bring in development people to help the team recognize that the leader is right yeah they bring you in so that you can help the team understand that they are right and you get to dig it in the boxes and figure out actually you're not right and it's some of the team members that are right how do we mindset shift mm-hmm. to get leaders leaders with titles? Um, To recognize they're not always right. Like, is that an experience that you've had? I hear about it often. Uh I want you to talk me through that. And for any of you leaders out there, any of you check writers, decision makers that feel like you are right and your team is messing Mm -hmm. things up. I want you to hear hear what Mr. Uh, Henderson has to say.
1: All right. Buckle up for this one. All right. So here's the deal. It's called concurrent development. It's parallel mm. development. And so what ends up happening is, as the leader, remember, we positioned this that said the leader needed to be a part of this. Leadership is a contact sport. And if you're that leader who currently says, hey, I just need to get them sped up, right? You need, as, as our organization, one of the things I love doing is assigning the leader, the sponsor, of a coach, because that leader needs a development space of their own where somebody can call them in, call them up so they don't feel called out. And what ends up happening most of the time is that leader is going through development with a development trainer at the same time that everybody else is, but there's not another space for that leader to do hard work. And so what ends up happening is they they maintain their posture, they maintain their position, and so there's never that additional space to begin sharpening their saw, which is one of the seven habits of highly effective people. And that book is all about leading from the inside out. And if that leader and if organizations don't give leaders the space to, again, feel seen, feel heard, feel valued and appreciated for their unique understanding of business and organization, then you'll get that fighting, that headbutting. Because again, you take a person who's been right their whole career, because let's, let's be honest, Tanya, most organizations have promoted the highly most competent and highly technical person first for the past 30 and 40 years, this person has gotten used to being right their entire career. And now all of a sudden you got these employees that can tell me I'm wrong. Nah, not I'm not buying that. And so for us, we put concurrent training, concurrent development in place that is in the form of coaching. And coaching, and for anybody out there, Coaching has gotten a bad rap, particularly professional development coaching. It's only been used in two ways generally in most organizations as performance improvement or for high potentials and senior executives. And so there's been a gap in the middle where leaders haven't been offered the opportunity to get that one-on-one support. And what you just communicated is that leader needs a one-on-one coach to be able, again, not only just to call them in, but call them up to say, hey, I know this has been a thing for you. But are, do you understand? Are you aware of what they actually need you to be? They're not having those conversations, so that's where we come in.
0: Call them in, call them up, and call them out. There it is. <laughs> that, that's where we're going. Oh yeah. I love. I love all this. So, listen. What's coming up for you? Mm-hmm. How do people stay in touch with you? Um, follow your journey mm-hmm. because I'm trying to tell you: if you you don't have your coffee in the morning, there's something with Lawrence Henderson on LinkedIn <laughs> that's going to wake you all the way up. Um, Give the people the good information about you so they can get in touch, stay in touch and follow your journey.
1: Yeah, I would say again on LinkedIn, uh, really active Instagram, Boss Lab, B-O-S-S-L-L-A-B. And you can follow me across all major platforms under that uh, name of Boss Lab, B-O-S-S-L-L-A-B, Instagram, TikTok um, also, uh, Twitter and Facebook, uh, and also too, you can direct email me. Um, my email address is Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E at boss consulting Uh, that is my actual email because my first name is on the front of it. Um, but also go to the website, www.bossconsulting. LLC.net. You'll see all of our offerings. You'll see some other videos and some other good things. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, and again, what's coming up for us is we are kicking off the season of coaching, speaking, training, um, doing some amazing uh, organizational talks over the next several months. So I look forward to seeing you at a conference and event near you.
0: I love that. And just to let you guys know, all of his information is going to be down um, in the captions of the podcast. Make sure that you like and share and follow and just suck up all this goodness that uh, Mr. Henderson has to offer because I promise you will be better for it. So, you know, I hate ending this way. I hate ending with you ever because it's always so, um, so much of what we need, you know? Uh, But I know I'll be seeing you around. So thank you so much for spending time with us today, for talking to us. Your ability to humanize a leader and a trainer, an educator, um, a man with your level of precision uh, is very much appreciated. Sharing your story, your own vulnerabilities, and your ability to change and grow is huge. It's it's priceless. So, you know, they talk about toxic masculinity, but I, I happen to appreciate it. I appreciate every ounce of your manliness, but also your ability to be vulnerable and transparent, because that's how we get to know, like, and trust the people that we bring in to help make us better. So again, I just wanted to thank you. And I look forward to the rest of 2023, seeing you around, sir.
1: Oh, yeah. Thank you so much again for this opportunity. And of course, we'll be speaking soon.
0: Awesome. Take care. So listen, guys, don't waste time uh, just browsing your Instagram. Get on, follow, like, support uh, Lawrence Henderson. If you have an organization that you know needs some change, needs some help, like you You know, it's good people, good, talented people, but you're not being as progressive. You're not being as prosperous. You're not profiting as much. The culture is kind of wonky. Get him in the door. You know, you can't fix things doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So take the opportunity to connect with someone that you've been able to listen to um, and hear how he gets things done. He's incredibly uh, effective. And, you know, he's he's here for you. So take that opportunity. I always want to leave you guys with some folks that can drop gems on you, open you up to a different line of thinking, and hopefully broaden your horizon and make things better for you personally or professionally. So again, thank you for showing up and we'll see you soon. Hey, thanks for showing up to the podcast where we all know that the best leaders are lifetime learners. When you get a sec, take a moment, leave a comment. What you think about today's episode? and share it with someone that you know could use the gems that were dropped today. Follow and subscribe. You don't wanna miss who's coming up next. You never know who could show up here and what they could say. For your professional needs, marketing, PR, communications, or leadership, make sure you follow us on all social media platforms at Sand and Shores or hit us up at sandandshores.com. Again, thanks so much for showing up. We appreciate you and we'll see you soon.